Awesome. Hey, good morning. How are we doing? Shakas, everybody. Shakas. Sunday morning. It's good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let me just welcome you this morning. My name is Kaibo Thomas. I'm the pastors here. I get to work with all the youth here at Waipuna Chapel. If you're joining us for the first time, uh, we're getting caught up in um, the God Anthology series where we've been for the summer just taking different attributes of God from his holiness and his love and his beauty. And uh, really, it's, it's our goal, as uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says, that God has given to the church apostles and prophets and teachers and shepherds and, you know, evangelists so that we can be, uh, further have this deeper understanding of who God is and then further equip the body for the work of the ministry. Amen? Yeah, that we'd have better understanding of who God is and then we can serve him uh, serve him more better. You like that? Um, in your bulletin, as you guys came in, there's sermon notes. You guys can follow along. Um, it's always an honor uh, to bring God's word. I'm excited for this morning. Uh, so thanks for joining us. This side of heaven, there's nothing more important than our faith in God. Nothing more important than our trust in who God is. And so when we talk about who God is, it's uh, detrimental to our faith for us to understand, to have a, a good understanding of, of God and his vastness. How does he think? How does he care? How does he act? So that we can live this life of faith. And I would encourage us this morning and in the lives that we live to live in a way where uh, we get to not have faith anymore. You understand that this side of heaven, faith is the most important thing, but there's going to come one day where we're not going to need faith anymore because all that we have read, all that we have believed or not believed, will come true when we see God in his glory. What we do in this life matters, amen? What we do in this life matters. There's four things that, if faith is the most important thing this side of heaven, there's four things that we can put our time and our effort to that's really going to directly strengthen our faith. And we know what they are. Yeah, we know what they are. Namely, this uh, pray and obey. Yeah, that we pray, interact with God, talk with God. We find out what his word is, what he desires of us. We do those things. Yeah, we do the things that he says to do, and we try not to do the things that he says not to do. Guess all of you, right? God's word says it. We should do it. If he says not to do it, we, we should do it. Pretty easy, yeah? Um, and then the, the third and fourth one, uh, we should study his word and then... Live his word, you know, obedience. Yeah, so we got pray, got obedience, we got studying his word. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. Am I missing one? Oh, his word, no, his word. Sorry, the word was like studying his word, living his word, yeah? Amen. Okay, so this morning, uh, in, our, in our study with the, the, jealous, uh, the jealousy of God, you want the good news first or the bad news? Okay. All right, let's start with the good news, amen? God is, is holy, yeah? That's good news right there, that God's not so much influenced by us, but he is moved by us, but God is so much more than us, that God has a crazy love for us, good news? There's the bad news. There's a problem with sin, amen? I kind of tricked you guys this morning. The last piece is more like a, a good news sandwich, amen? Um, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the world um, to pay the price for our sins. Amen. So my, 
I'm going to give you a, a rough definition, sort of, of the jealousy of God, but similar to last week when Byron presented the, this definition of, of beauty of God, he had God's holiness and, and God's love there, and then God's virtue, and then you kind of came out with this aha moment, you know, when those things kind of come together and you're like, that's beauty, amen? So kind of similar with this morning, in order for me to really give you guys an understanding of what jealousy is, we got to kind of talk about his holiness and his love for us, and then there's this problem with sin, and here comes Jesus as the solution, and then I think we'll be able to understand and grasp really what the, the jealousy of God is. Sounds good? Awesome, awesome. Hey, let's pause, let's pray. And really ask God to do his work and speak truth into our lives. Um, let's lift up our hearts to him. Jesus, we worship you this morning. We thank you so much for being present. We thank you so much for uh, who you are and what you have meant to us. Jesus, we pray that you would come and in your grace and your mercy open up to us deeper understanding of who you are. We know that, God, you are holy and you are set apart from us, but you also love us and are intertwined in the things that we do. You've chosen to be a part of what happens in this world, and we just ask that you'd be a part of this morning, that we wouldn't just be singing empty words to you, Father. We wouldn't just be speaking empty words, but I pray that all that happens this morning, Father, would be empowered by you, Jesus, that you would give us eyes to see you and a heart to understand, Father, all that you have set apart for us. You have a heart for your people and you would not share us, Father, with anyone, with anything else, Lord, and we just honor you and set you apart as holy this morning. You are the honored guest and we welcome you into our time. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. So God's holiness. So when we talk about God's holiness, we're talking about the the fact that God is separate, that he's set apart, that he's sacred, that he's sinless, yeah? Uh, Set apart, he's separate, he's to be worshipped that way. There's nothing, no other name, in heaven and earth that is, is above his name. And, and God in his holiness almost demands worship from not just us, but heaven and earth and creatures. Yeah, I love uh, the psalmist that even, even the trees clap their hands. I'm like, trees like, don't have hands, you know, but they clap. And God hears what they do. Jesus comes on the scene. It's like if, if the people stop praising me, that the rocks are going to cry out and praise him, you know. That's cool stuff. Some of you look like rocks this morning. Nah, 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 joking, joking. You're like, I don't like you this morning. Just joking, joking. Um, <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. On everything. That, was for, that was for free. That was for free, okay? Um, God is sacred, yeah? That means he, he's pure, that there's, there's a purity about him that is, is unlike anything that this, this world knows, set apart from him revealing his own purity, you know? Um, God is sinless. And when, when I think about sinless, he's not simply, uh, you know, he doesn't just practice like non-sinning, you know. Um, but God in his holiness uh, is almost the opposite. He has this purification process within himself. 
Like you think about uh, Jesus when he was walking around. Remember that? He was walking in the crowd and this, this woman came up and just said, maybe if I just touch Jesus, I can, I can be healed. And Jesus stops after she touches him and she's, he's like, somebody just touched me. And all the disciples are like, we're in a crowd, bro. Like, guys are touching you, you know, but there's something different that just happened. Somebody just touched me. And rather than Jesus being made dirty, which was the common practice then, right? Like people ran away from the lepers. They ran away from the adulterers. They ran away from the sinners. The godly people of that time just ran away from the, the sin because they didn't want to be corrupted by the world. It wasn't Jesus that got corrupted. It was her that got purified. Amen? So Jesus isn't just sinless. He's like he has this purification piece of him that just is way more than just a behavior change. It's a part of his spirit. It's a part of his power. It's like an attribute. Yeah? Good? Amen. Amen. Uh, A couple of scriptures for you. So Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, uh, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so when I think about God and his holiness, he's set apart, yeah? Like he's separated from humanity. How do we know about God? The only way that we understand God is by his revealing, by his revelation, by him choosing to tell you who he is and how he is like. And, and mainly we get it from scripture, amen? But not just scripture like a textbook. Well, we understand that the, the books that we call the Bible that we carry around, it's not just a textbook. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Like his own spirit is teaching us about him. Like there's, there's nothing I can really tell you this morning that's going to change your life. And yet what is being shared this morning has that power to enable you to live a life different when you leave these doors today. Because it's not just my words. It's like there's God who's, who's working a miracle. I mean, think about it. If people can see the Lord all majestic and holy in our lives, that's a miracle. In order for us to live the godly life, we need more than just ourselves and our effort. Amen? We need the God himself to be inside of us to live the life that he's put before us. You guys following me? Like us left to ourselves with just a book may result at best as knowledge. But for us to look godly and act like the all-holy God, the, the miracle needs to happen. So God is self-declarative, like he's self-proclaiming. He's in the business of teaching us about him, and that's what we're doing this morning. Like, I have the great honor to teach you about God. Spend time in prayer, spend time in study. I'm like, hey, this is how God is. God is a, a jealous God, and so we're, we're talking about that jealousy. In order for us to get there, we've got to talk about his holiness and his love. And we following? Okay, this sermon you know on record after this you're like oh this is a lot i gotta meditate on this listen to me again it's good stuff so god is self-declarative so uh let me just jump into the we, we don't hear about the jealousy of god up until the story of exodus so we have god creation we have the noah proclaim job and his thing and then come into the story where we have uh, moses god's people so let me just set the context a little bit 
So prior to Moses coming on the scene, yeah, uh, God has been choosing to reveal himself to different people. So you have Abraham, right? Abraham was living amongst devil-worshipping people. Well, we don't say devil, but it's other than God, amen? I mean, that's what I'm getting the term at. It's other than God, worshipping things other than God. So he calls Abraham, says, I'm going to make you father of many nations, boom. Abraham, there's Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob and his 12 tribes end up in Egypt, and they prosper, and they multiply, and 12 brothers ended up being 1 million brothers, okay? That's pretty much what it is. They outnumber the Egyptians, Pharaoh changes, no longer favorable, boom, persecution, slavery, let's put these guys to work. Maybe that's why the temples are so good, you know? God's people, maybe we can build them all, I don't know. Okay, so God calls Moses, the whole let my people go thing happens, right? God removes um, his people from Egypt, they're past the Red Sea. Moses has this other encounter with the Lord up on the mountainside, which is kind of cool. We're on the mountainside right now, you know, encounter, it's, it's good, okay? And God starts teaching him how... For the first time, like in, in specific ways, how we are supposed to live as God's people. Moses receives like 600 or so laws summarized in 10 commandments, which were written by the fingers of God on these tablets. First four, how we interact with God. The next six, how we interact with one another. Simplified by Jesus in the greatest commandment, right? So they asked Jesus of all the laws, what is the most important? And they are... Yeah, love God, love others. Yeah? Jesus is like, I'll keep it simple. Love God, love others. God loved you, you should love others. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so for the first time, we have this written law of, of who God is. And, and so Moses is meeting with God. And so Exodus 34. So we're talking about God as being is self-declarative. Yeah? So he's self-proclaiming. Like think about a lot, a lot of the authors and musicians now or people in the world, right? They're like, I'm the man, you know, like promoting themselves. Well, they're selfish. God is just himself, yeah? So he picks up, uh, verse 5, The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children and to the third and, and fourth generation. Moses is like, whoa, this guy is heavy. I mean, think about the image that Moses just had of God delivering the nation and how God delivered the, God's people from Egypt. Like, pretty heavy, you know? Like, my definition of, like, ten plagues and, like, the 10th being the firstborn of everybody dying and then the splitting of Red Sea and they were being guarded by like these clouds by day and fires by night. That's pretty awesome. I probably wouldn't translate to being a God who's merciful and gracious. But God's like, hey, let me just redefine for you also who I am. I am that God, but I'm also a God who's gracious and merciful. Good? Amen. So God is holy and set apart but God is also in love with us, which is just like, 
Yeah? It's like, my brain just got exploded. Right? Like, how can this God who's so separate, who's so holy, who's so sinless, be in, in love with us? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay? Um, I can't emphasize enough the, the importance of the love attribute of God. It's like his holiness, his love is like the foundation to all the rest of his attributes. Like I love, like as I'm studying, I'm like, hey, this is just like last week. When Byron is like, you need God's holiness, you need God's love in order for us to understand more of who he is. So think about like some verses, right? So Romans chapter 8, there's nothing that can separate us from his, his, come on church, his love, right? Uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, while we were at our worst, Jesus came and he died for us. Yeah? That's like, hopefully you get a, a better understanding of, of who God's love is. Maybe in the life that you're living, you're like, what is God doing? He's loving you. It might not look like what you think it should look like, but he's loving you. Ephesians uh, 3, uh, with Christ dwelling in our hearts, we have strength to comprehend and to know all the, with all the saints, yeah, the the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. Let me just read to you a little bit from Psalms 139. So Paul writes of this, O holy God, for you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was, there was none of them. We would not exist, per and not our Lord, birthing us first in his ability to create. That we didn't just happen by chance. I mean, you're not just here. Well, I mean, you kind of are here by your father and mother. I mean, that's part of it. But prior to that, God had already thought of us. He had already equipped us with certain gifts and talents and likes and dislikes. And even within how we're built, you know, I love just variety. Like I love that our church is like mixed, you know. I think it's a good reflection of who God's people should be. Amen. But much like a thing that is created and how it has this reflection of its creator, we have within us God's masterpiece, yeah? This reflection, this DNA, this fingerprints of the all-holy God. Ephesians chapter 2 uh, says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Yeah, and, and David said that these works were already laid out for us, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Anybody need direction in this life? Spend more time with Jesus. He's been thinking about you for a long time. I love what, I love what David says. He said, the thoughts that you have for me outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. Like God's been thinking about you a long time. I know you think about you a long time. But God's been thinking about you a lot longer. Spend time with him. I mean, there's so much self-help books out there and so many people with like, 
you know, here, spin the bottle and, you know, roll the dice and see what, you know, you can come with your life. Spend time with the Father. That makes way more sense. Rather than just leaving your life to the flip of a coin and by chance. Spend time with him and, and, and live our lives with some intention. Amen? But some translations say that we are his, his masterpiece. I love that. Yeah? We are his masterpiece. He created us flawless. I mean, we flawed it, but he created us flawless. Amen? And I got to state that, that he created us flawless. But within inside of us, in, for, in order for him to really achieve what he desired, which was this relationship with us, he had to create us with choice. He had to create us with autonomy. He had to create us with this ability to be independent that we would hopefully turn back and give God the praise, honor, and glory that is due his name and, and live to follow him. But regretfully, we didn't, right? We didn't. Romans chapter 3, 10 through 18. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. We came from him, we were created in him, but onto the picture comes sin. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah? So we're getting, we pass the bun, we get into the middle. Amen? So in the middle is this little sandwich. Yeah? In the middle is this like sin thing where we're like, man, what happens there? And we know that sin has led to death. It wasn't God's plan, but it happened. Here's some scriptures for you. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Romans 7.5, for while we were in our flesh, the sinful passions, we were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But the outcome of a life that satisfies only our fleshly desires, the outcome of that life is death. Romans 8.6 and 7, the mind set on the flesh is death, and not only death, but that mind is hostile toward God, yeah, like anti-God. Galatians 6, 8, for the one who sows in his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. So there's death that comes because of our sinful nature. So because of Adam and Eve and what they did in their disobedience, Death entered into the world. You understand that? And read Romans. Paul does a great thing about opening that up a little. Yeah. Um, secondly, sometimes there's, there's death that just results from our sinful behavior. And sin is defined in the Bible a, a few different ways. Where we, uh, our sin nature, when we just disobey God, right? So God's word says do it, we don't do it. Or God says to do it and we don't do it. Or sometimes we do it just on our own accord rather than through faith. 
You guys like that scripture that it's for us to do things outside of faith, that's sin as well, okay? Let me just introduce to you a, a different understanding of uh, different understanding of, of sin that leads to, to death. And, and sometimes it's just outside of God and his purity. Like because of our fallen nature, being in the presence of God, that can lead to death as well. Remember earlier I said how God has this purification process. Sometimes we end up pure. Sometimes people end up dead. Right? So uh, Exodus. So this is uh, Moses and his encounter with the Lord. So he's coming up to this burning bush. Right? And he's like, that bush is on fire and it's still on fire and it's still on fire and it's still on fire. You know, like it, it was on fire but not consuming itself. He's like, that's odd. That doesn't happen all the time. I'm going to further investigate what's happening here. So he approaches this bush and God says, Moses, Moses, hold up. Don't come near. Take off your sandals yeah, from your feet for the place which you are standing is, is holy ground. Like Moses, I like you. Stay right there. Don't come any closer. You might not make it out. So death isn't only an outcome of like sinful behavior, but like just God, because he's so separate from us. Yeah? That sometimes death is, is a viable outcome of just being in his presence. I mean, there's just, I can talk to you all day about stories of different people who were in God's presence and they didn't make it out. Remember earlier I said how important the foundation of God's holiness and his, his love is? Don't forget his love, okay? As I'm talking to you about God and how you can end up dead after, don't forget about his love, amen? Because there's a solution, amen? So there's the, there's the bottom part of, of, uh, of our sandwich this morning. What is the solution? Jesus Christ, come on! You can say it a little bit louder, Okay? I hope that you leave here this morning not thinking about Pastor Jason and, and the worship team or me and my enthusiasm for God's word. You've got to leave here this morning thinking about Jesus because it's all about him, okay? It's all about him. There's nothing more important, no other name that we can say more and more and more than Jesus. But we, we believe that the Old Testament was this point towards Jesus and the New Testament is this point back towards Jesus, yeah? So here, uh, Right in the beginning, we just, we just read this. So Moses is approaching and God calls Moses by name and gives Moses an outlet. Moses, you're a sinful man. You might not make it out of this, but hold up. I'm going to call you by your name because I know who you are and I've made you. I see you in your talents, but I also see you in your weakness. Hold up. And here in this encounter with God, we see not only God in his holiness, but God giving us an outlet. You guys following me? That in our frailty, in his frailty, God's like, Moses, hold up. I'm going to give you an outlet. I want you to be in my presence. And so I'm going to make almost atonement for your lack with my goodness. Stay where you are. Take your sandals off. You can hang out. We'll talk from a distance. Awesome. Yeah? Almost setting up for us this, like, direction towards Jesus as our Savior. I, I cannot spend all the time reading these verses. Uh, we would be here a lot longer. I could preach on this for two hours, but we don't have that much time. And you guys probably wouldn't want to sit here all the time. 
But anyway, so write down these verses. Uh, read them on your own. I'm just going to, let me just read a part of uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. So we got Titus 3, 3 through 8, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, like the whole chapter. It's like my favorite. First uh, John 2, 1 through 6. So here, just a portion of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were, this is, bruh, zombies, bruh. Zombies in the Bible. You guys are like, what the preaching? I'm just, okay, you follow me. And you are dead in your trespasses and your sins in which you once walked. Like dead trespasses, walking, I, that's, <laughs> zombies, right? Dead in our trespasses, but we walking. Zombies, bruh, okay? Um, you're dead in your trespassing sin in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of powers of this age the spirit that is now at work in the sons of the disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions and in our flesh carrying out the desires of our body and our mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind but everybody say but See, it says, but God, and a little comma right there, pause, but God, he's amazing, being rich in mercy because of his great love, with, uh, which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive together with Christ, for by grace we have been saved. It's <sighs> good, Okay. Let's talk about the jealousy of God. So I just talked about God and his holiness and out of his holiness and his love for us, he creates us. He created us, but we messed it all up. Amen? But God had a curveball already sent in Jesus Christ and Jesus came and he redeemed us. So the jealousy, the jealousy of God is, is kind of combined. So jealousy of God, let me, when, I, when I think about the jealousy of God, it's part God revealing himself in love to us. Us screwing it up, but God saving us, his beloved. Yeah? So God creates us in him, we screw it up, he, God comes back and he saves us. And the jealousy of God is introduced here, where in his creation, we have a blatant disregard for who he is and what he's done, and rather giving credit back to him, we give credit, praise, and honor, and glory, and thanks to everything else other than him. And we turn and serve the created things of this world rather than the creator of all of it. The feeling you have inside of you, the jealousy of God, just more holy. Like for me, this is the best way for me to understand the jealousy of God. That God in his love creates us, we screw it up. He comes again and redeems us. Then in the midst of Jesus, present and active and in power and in love for us, we turn and we serve everything else but him. What is God left with? So, back to the Moses story. So we have Exodus 32. I think this story here is probably the best story that we can share this morning about the jealousy of God. So freshly delivered from Egypt, they saw God 
go against uh, a lot of the studies say that the ten plagues were against ten specific gods that Egypt had worshipped. I mean, if you're not monotheistic in loving one god, you're polytheistic in loving many gods. Or maybe monotheistic in loving yourself as God. I don't know. That maybe could work, right? So each one of the plagues against Egypt were against direct gods of Egypt. There was gods for uh, prosperity, for health, for disease, harvest, nature, protection, for uh, fertility and birth, you know? And, and each one was like a direct like disregard for your God because this one God is so much stronger than all your gods. So fresh outside of that, fresh outside of like the pillars of cloud and pillars of fire, you know, you're like, that's kind of cool. Like that doesn't happen every day. And then they walk through the Red Sea on dry ground and then watch the Egyptians learn how to swim with all their armor on them. Like amazing, you know, like they just saw something that they've never seen or heard of. I love the account in Joshua where the other nations, the other nations was watching. They were watching this. And rumor had spread about the God of Israel. Like, don't mess with those guys. Their God is heavy. You know? Like, it wasn't just their testimony. It was a testimony of others. So that's the context. Right? So, story, context. Let me just pick it up. Uh, Chapter 31, verse 18. So we're in Exodus. And he, God, gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on the Mount Sinai two tablets of the testimony, tablets on stone written with the finger of God. That's good stuff, okay? So Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the Lord gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. That was their common practice, right? They just came out of Egypt. Egypt had ten gods or more. I don't know what happened with this God. Aaron, make us some gods. For as to this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears and wives of your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings and the golds that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. What ridiculousness. How stupid. Moses delays for a little bit, hangs out with God. God has given him the written word for the first time in human history. They delay a little bit, they make a golden calf, and they start worshiping this calf for doing, like, miraculous things. How ridiculous. God hears the worship. God says, Moses, move aside, because the people that I just delivered from Egypt, they're about to get torched. He's about to start all over again with Moses. Like, not... Abraham, Isaac, and you know, no, no, no. We'll start all over and you're going to be the man of faith. God, here's the worship that has been given to this calf. Thank you, calf, for the Red Sea. Thank you, calf, 
for the fire and the clouds and the protection. Thank you, calf, for the deliverance. And God is like, I will not have that. Number one on the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other God before me. I alone am God. I alone am good. I alone love you more than anything else. How would you dare give praise and glory that is due my name to anything else? The fuel behind the jealousy of God is his love. His adoration, his patience, his kindness, his goodness towards us. And for us to turn and reject that and give praise to ourselves and give praise to others and trust that every good and perfect gift is not from God and maybe it's from our own doing. I don't know how else God responds. So follow me here. If death is a just outcome of our sin, it, it seems silly for me to think that death is a just outcome for us in our blatant disregard for Jesus. Like sinful behavior, we, we, in, in, in a sense, and I'm kind of, kind of separating these two, but in a sense, we're, we're doing things our way and not God's way, right? But then sometimes it's just sinful nature and we just do our own thing and sometimes that results in death. You know, like I, I drink and drive and I drive across and I go off the cliff. You, you're dead, you know? Like bad idea, bad understanding, bad behavior, death. And it almost seems like Sometimes our sinful behavior, like it's, it's a viable cause. Like death is going to be an outcome of people who just act ridiculous. It seems odd or not right for us, for death to be just for us to reject Jesus. It seems like there should be more than death for those who blatantly disregard God's solution through Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, comes and lives and dies on the cross, brutal death, but miraculously overcomes the cross, and we have salvation now in him. For us to disregard that Jesus, I feel like there, there should be something worth worse than, than death. We following? So let me just read some words of Jesus to you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but, that, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Sin leads to death, but idol worship. is worse. Jesus would continue, so everyone who acknowledges me before man, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. 
Scripture teaches that the beginning of wisdom and beginning of us understanding God is having a healthy understanding of the fear of God. I just had this meeting yesterday with uh, uh, these two real young kids. Um, came in, the Jehovah Witness, you know? Came in, they wanted to talk to me, and I was like, I'll talk to you all day, okay? And uh, when the, so I started asking them questions and trying to be nice, but I didn't tell them I was a pastor. I was just like a general Joe, whatever, you know? And uh, one of the things we got to was the uh, hell. Like, what do you guys do with hell? They're like, oh, we don't believe in hell. I'm like, what do you do with all the teachings about hell? You know, in order for us to have an understanding of who God is in his holiness and how important his love is and the importance of Jesus Christ and what he has, it's good for us to have a healthy understanding of, of his, of, of like, like the fear um, present in our relationship with the Lord is his love, but our sin, but also his response through Jesus Christ. And as we receive Jesus Christ, there's this change that happens. Not just in our actions, but in our heart, you know? Like he replaces our heart of stone with a heart of flesh, and upon that heart of flesh, he's, he writes his word on us. Scripture says that in the last day when we stand before him, nobody's going to have an excuse. Because he has and will reveal himself to them how he does it. Like everyone's going to have to give an account one day for all that we've done on this earth. And I really think that he's going to ask us, what have we done with Jesus? I sent my son down there, I sent my teachings down there, I sent you the way towards me. What have you done with that? I mean, think about it. He, he loved us, so we should love others, right? He forgave us, we should forgive others. I mean, that's, this is what he teaches. This is what Jesus taught, like, God loves you. You should love others. He has forgiven us. We should forgive others. He gave us a new heart. We should use that heart and do these things with care. He gave us his spirit, and we should no longer live to gratify the desires of the flesh, but the desires of the spirit, because the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the cross is living inside of us. If we're a believer of Christ, we've been adopted into God's family and not just brought in and made a house and get in the bed, but his spirit has attached to us. So we no longer can keep on doing the same things. Why? Because the spirit of the living God is living inside of you. So it's not just behavioral modification. It's to change from the inside first, but the outside has to happen. The outside is the reflection of what is happening on the inside. We cannot just go on and keep on doing the same thing. Galatians chapter 5, live by, uh, verse 16, live, uh, by, live by being led by the Spirit of God in us, no longer satisfying the desires of flesh. Uh, when we think about the desires of the flesh, there are these things. Uh, we have a sinful nature that results in sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all other sins like these. For those who practice these things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So my encouragement to you this morning is rather than death putting us to sin, let's put sin to death. Amen?
And this is for you, the church, because the world is supposed to be sinful, right? They're just supposed to do what they're supposed to do. But for us who've been introduced into this community and brought in with loving arms and been adopted as not orphans, but becoming sons and daughters of God, amen? Like we are to put sin to death. Spend time reading these verses. These are heavy. Let me just over, like just, talk about them real quick as we wrap up here this morning. So Matthew chapter 6, 19, 20, Matthew 5, 27, 30, Matthew 18, 7, and 9, Romans 13, 14. Uh, I would say, you know, so uh, the Romans 6 passage, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Like there's financial pressures, amen? Don't live to satisfy the desires of the financial pressures. That would be Sinful. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I think about, you know, the, the, the lustful desires or our desires for, you know, gratification and, uh, and assurance and affirmation. So Jesus taught, you know, um, if your eye is causing you to sin towards this female or for ladies, males, Gouge your eyes out. Jesus taught, if your hand is causing you to stumble, cut it off. Don't come here next week having done that. (laughs) But I think there's a seriousness with Jesus saying that we should call sin at its worst name. I love that. One of my pastor's friends, he said that. I was like, I like that. Like, don't butter it up. Call sin as at its worst name because that sin is what has separated us from God. That sin is what took Jesus to the cross and redeemed, run away from it at all cost. Romans chapter 13, 14 says, make no provision for your flesh because our flesh wants to have its way. Set up barriers and guards so that your sin cannot keep on doing the same thing it's been doing all the time. I mean, think about our sinful behavior and our fleshy behavior. Chances are you're not doing brand new sins every day. I mean, maybe you are. We can pray. But chances are you're doing the same things all the time. You know, I think the hardest sin to ask God for forgiveness is the sin that we do all the time. It's the same thing. Like, shocks, God, I just did it again. God, can you forgive me? Praise God that he can. So, in the pressures that we have in this world, let me just leave you with a couple promises. So Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he's going to add all these things onto you. I'll just encourage all of us this morning to put God first, to choose to follow his ways by his strength yeah, and our surrender, and he will work out yeah, desires for affection, financial desires for, for fulfillment, um, even our desire for our own families. I mean, you think about one of those passages in, in Matthew chapter 10. He says, don't think that I came to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword to separate father from son, mother from daughter. And I'm like, that doesn't make any understanding. You know, it doesn't make, like God, I thought you love him. He does love them, but we have to put him first and foremost in our lives. Amen? To give us the right heart to know how to love our family members. He will not share us with anyone or anything else. Because of what he's done through Jesus Christ, because of who he is, he holds the right to be number one and center of our lives. And God calls us to come 
and taste and see that he is good. Amen. So the praise and worship team, they're going to come up this morning. And I want to give us a chance to respond. Uh, so we're going to sing, uh, he is jealous for me. You know, and I love the chorus, how he loves us. You know, and it just is this repetition of how he loves us. I hope that you leave this morning with two things. One, with his love for us. But as, as, we, as we sing uh, his love for us, if there's any, if God was bringing to your mind specific sins, you're like, oh, shucks, like gripped afresh and anew of the fact that God knows what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, how you're acting. There's an opportunity for us to be redeemed this morning. Like, don't just leave here thinking about your sin. I want us leaving here thinking about our Savior. So in, to, in order to do that, God can take care of those things right now. So as we sing this chorus, and if you, if there's, and, and only stand, and it's good and worshipful and want to stand in worship, but only stand if there's something in your life that God's like, hey, I want to deal with this right now. So stand as we worship, if, if God is revealing certain things to you, and then I'll come back up and I'll pray and send you guys off. Amen? And we can just handle those things uh, this morning. Let's worship. Mm-hmm.